Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. This morning, we are going to be dealing with a topic that is somewhat shady, I guess, in our particular day. Uh, Some people believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. And I want to look in Romans chapter 2 this morning to see what Romans 2 says about this very doctrine. So Romans chapter 2, verse 1. We read, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. Now you may be saying, what does this have to do with anything? The context here is that this is Paul writing to Jewish people that should know better, right? And they're thinking, because of my special knowledge, I'm right with God, but the other people are not right with God, mainly the Gentiles, because they don't have this special knowledge. However, Paul says that you're inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same thing. And you know, this kind of an idea is prevalent amongst those that are in the church that think that they are doctrinally sound. So they they live the same as the people out in the world, and yet they think that they're better and that they're different because of their doctrinal knowledge. But Paul levels all of that to the ground, and he says, listen, if you're going to use this judgment towards the sinners that are out here uh, in the world around you, these Gentiles, if you're going to use that judgment towards them, that same judgment's coming back to you. And I'm saying that to you who are listening. If you believe that you can be saved one time, you know, in the past, you got your ticket punched. And then because you've got your ticket punched, now you can say, poor souls, these other ones, they're not going to heaven, even though we live about the same. And I I realize that some people don't live about the same, but we're thinking that because I have been saved because I have accepted Christ. Now I'm going to be saved from the wrath of God, but these won't because they haven't yet done that. But Paul says, you're inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. So you're pointing your fingers at other people, but those same fingers that are pointing at other people point back to you because you're not where you should be spiritually. He said, we are sure in verse two that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. So let me ask you this question. Is the judgment of God not towards us as people because we've got our ticket punched? Because this verse says something different. It says that we're sure that the judgment of God according to truth is against them which commit such things. What are these such things? Sins. So if you say that you're a Christian and you're sinning, he's saying you get the same judgment as the one who isn't a Christian who is sinning because the judgment isn't necessarily just against the person. It is against the sins that they are committing. And he says, and thou thinkest this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. And this is where I would level this down to this kind of thought, to to this teaching in our present day. Well, I got my ticket punched years ago, 15 years ago, I was saved. I was talking with a man out on the street and he told me, I'm so glad you're out here preaching on the street. I'm so glad for what you're doing uh, so far as the gospel is concerned. And I'm glad to hear somebody doing this. I grew up in a really difficult situation. I grew up in the inner city, but I gave my life to Jesus 15 years ago. 
And I thought to myself, thank God, I'm glad to meet somebody like this. He listened for a while. We talked, we prayed, all that. But then afterwards, uh, probably a month or so afterwards, I see him again. And then I said nothing, but he's got giant beer can like Natty Ice or something like that. I didn't say a thing to the man, but he pulled it out and he said, well, I still have my vices and God's working on me. As if to say that somewhere back there, I gave my life to Jesus. So I'm by default Christian through the rest of my life, no matter what I do, even though I know these things I'm doing are not right. Now, regardless of what you think about alcohol and whether a Christian can or cannot drink it, this man's conscience was bothered by it. And he said it was a sin. And he says that you know, I'm different though, because I've been saved and now I'm just having these problems and God's working on me. But this verse in uh, Romans 2, 3, it says, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Well, it's okay if I sin, because you see, I'm a Christian because I accepted Christ. So I'm going to escape the judgment of God. But that person out there that hasn't accepted Christ, that person will get the full penalty of the judgment of God upon them. Do you see that this doesn't make any sense according to the scripture verse? He says, do you think that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Now he was talking with the Jews at that time. He was saying to them, do you think you're going to escape the judgment of God simply because you have this knowledge? Or is this judgment going to be the same the full way through? That's the rhetorical question. That's what he's trying to get at to these people. You aren't going to escape this judgment simply because you have this special knowledge. Sin will be judged and sin is sin and sin separates us from God. And the wages of sin is death according to the scripture. So here we find that Paul was leveling these two classes, Jew and Gentile, leveling them to the ground so that we each are on the same level playing field. Everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs the salvation of Jesus Christ. There is not one soul outside of that. And then he's leveling it down to these Jews that think that they're okay. And you know, there are loads of people in our nation and under the banner of evangelicalism that say, I've got my ticket punched. I'm okay. God knows me and understands me. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Eternal security. And they continue to plow through and live a life of sin saying that it's okay. But Paul doesn't believe that. The scriptures don't teach that. And then in verse four of Romans two, he says, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So here is, you know, it, it, the, these Jews thought we're the special favor of God. So God just kind of has the special love relationship with us and he won't judge us according to the nations around. And you know, that is exactly how Christians are in these particular days. He's saying, do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Like, you haven't died yet. You haven't left this world yet. Do you despise his, his goodness, his forbearance, his long-suffering with you? Not knowing that this is, a, this is calculated by God to lead you to repentance? That he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to perish and go to hell eternally, but wants you to come unto repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and receive victory over sin because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, not just put a merit badge on our shirt, not just put a, a necklace around us that now we say, well, now I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. Yes, but have you been born again? Have you been radically changed? Are you a different person? That is the real question that you and I have to answer. The problem is, 
Most people don't want to hear that because they don't want to change. It crosses them where they're living. They want things to be different, you know, uh, as far as the benefits, but they don't want to have the responsibility of God's salvation. But then in Romans 2, 5, he said, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So the person that thinks they're self-righteous, the person that thinks that they're okay because they're God's special pet, he's saying, don't you know that if you continue to walk in the state of sin and say that everything's okay, what you're doing is you have an impenitent heart. You're not turning from your sin. And when you have an impenitent heart, then you have a hard heart. And with that hard heart, you're treasuring up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the judgment of God when Jesus peels back the, the clouds like a scroll, steps down, and every man will be judged according to their deeds. That's what verse 6 says, who will render to every man according to his deeds. It doesn't say to every unsaved man. It says to every man according to his deeds. So if we're continuing to live in sin, that grace may abound, we're in trouble. We've deceived ourselves. We are not Christians. We're not walking according to the light of Jesus Christ. We are not in good standing with God. We have no hope of heaven, but we are rather telling ourselves a story and lulling ourselves to sleep, which is quite dangerous, dear listener. Now, this may seem a little hard to you as you're listening to this, but I would challenge you, instead of just looking through some theological framework where somebody tries to tell you that the Bible doesn't mean what it really says it means, look at the Bible yourself. Does God allow people to just live on in sin and then just somehow ignore it and say, well, they they accepted me, so now everything's going to be okay. I, don't, I challenge you to look and find that in the Bible. I challenge you to balance out all the separate scriptures, putting them together to see if that's really how it goes. Because as far as I can tell, looking through the scripture, there are not any places in there that says that we continue in sin, that grace may abound. It's not so. Verse seven, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. In other words, the result is eternal life. So what is he saying? If you, by patient continuance, you walk with God, you love God, you're not trying to give excuse to anything, but you have your eyes set on Jesus Christ, I'm going to walk with God, and you in patient continuance and well-doing, you're moving forward. You're not succumbing to sin and going backwards, but you're moving forward and you're seeking for glory and honor and immortality. You're saying there is another world that I'm living for right now. And so I'm not going to fall victim to the lust of the flesh. I'm going to walk with Jesus. He said, those people, the end result is eternal life. Why? Something's happened to them in their heart. And because they've been born again and something's happened to them in their heart, they're continuing on, panting after God, not making excuses. They love him. He died on the cross for me. I'm not going to turn around and wound him again by sending my life away and pretending I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I want to serve him. But then he says something different to another class of people in the eighth verse of Romans 2. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Do you know, I have found some of the most contentious people, and I'm not saying all people that believe once you're saved, you're always saved or like this, but I have found some of the most contentious people, those are the ones that are making excuses for their sins. 
saying that Jesus paid it all. I don't need to do anything. That's works and whatever. And they live a wicked life. They live a life that is not transformed. They make excuses for their sins. They are some of the most contentious people that I have had to talk with or that I have even known some people as friends. And I, I look at that and I think to myself, this is, this is an ugly thing. No wonder the world doesn't want to have anything to do with Christianity. But unto them that are contentious, he says, and do not obey the truth. Here's this obedience, right? We've got to obey. We've got to walk with God. But instead of obeying truth, it says they obey unrighteousness. What did he say was going to happen to them? Indignation and wrath. In other words, hell is their end. And remember the beginning of this chapter, it was no respecter of person. It wasn't because Jews were a special class that this judgment didn't come on them. Judgment upon every man. That is the whole argument that Paul has. First, he talks about the judgment that'll come to the Gentiles. But then he turns to the Jews and says, don't you think that you're going to get off scot-free about this because you also need this salvation. Just because you have the knowledge in your head does not make you a saved person. You need to actually be saved. He said, so indignation and wrath come to those that don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. And then he says also tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. And I would say it this way to make the application for our present day. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the quote unquote Christian first and also of the non-Christian. That person who is sinning is in danger. Doesn't matter what label you put on yourself, you are in danger. But then he says, glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, or in our application, to the Christian first and also to the non-Christian. Glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good. In other words, if you walk with God and you're going forward for him, then it's blessing on you. And it's not because I'm trying to earn my salvation. It's because I am saved. And the outflow of this salvation that Jesus has given me is that I live a holy life. He is dwelling within me. Let me ask you this question. That, per that person, Jesus Christ, did he live a sinful life? So if we say he didn't live a sinful life, but he dwells within my heart, how does it make any sense that you and I can live a sinful life? It says that we should walk even as he walked in the scriptures. And he says, there is no, in verse 11, respect of persons with God. So it doesn't matter what denomination you're a part of, doesn't matter what stripe you're a part of. If you are living in sin, you are not ready to meet God. You must be born again. Please give us a call at 570-362-7782. And I'd love to get together with you, talk with you on the phone, uh, hit us up on social media, uh, write comments down in a YouTube video. I would love to help you on your journey so that you can walk with God and you can have the assurance, the witness of God's spirit in your heart that you are a child of God. Until next time, join the resistance, God's resistance.